Are you not having the success you want with your direct bookings? Perhaps you are tired of feeling like you are out of your depth and wish there was an easier way. Well, I've got an exclusive free training coming up that just might help. Join me on April 4th when I will share the top three mistakes that I consistently see vacation and short-term rental property managers make in their desire for direct bookings that could be costing you major profits. I will also be sharing my top tips in building your own direct booking sales engine that will bring in those direct bookings while you sleep. Come and join in the fun. Head to my website, directbookingsuccess.com, and click on the free training button to join me on April 4th, because you deserve your own direct booking success. This is the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you the information you need to increase your direct bookings. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the short-term rental industry. I'm here to help so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Direct Booking Success Podcast. Today, we're speaking with Bob Gardner, who will be one of our speakers at the Direct Booking Success Summit in September. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jen. Thanks for the invite. Oh, you're so welcome. It's great to have you here. Can we start by asking you to introduce yourself? Yep. My name is Bob Gardner, and I own and operate with my husband, Casal De Fiki, six luxurious holiday apartments in Le Marche, Italy. Brilliant. And you've got the other side of your business, don't you too? I do. Well, (laughs) it's not really the other side of a business. It's just a passion is that I spend a lot of time on environmental issues. So trying to persuade our industry to adopt sustainable practices and attract and retain clients who are looking to stay sustainably. Great. Well, we will get into that because that is more closer to the topic that you're speaking on at the summit. But I want to find out about your collection of holiday apartments in in Italy. And it's an area of Italy that I don't know much about. I have not been there. So you'll have to tell us more. Absolutely. So my backstory is my husband and I, we were living in London. Obviously, we're British and we were both in corporate jobs. And as I always say, they pay you really well, but they work you really hard. Yeah. And we found that we were spending our excess money on taking lots of holidays to de-stress from our so-called stressful lives. Right. Um, it came to the point we yeah, said, let's, let's change our lives. And then yeah. we were, no stress. Exactly. Chuck in the job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chuck in the job so you don't have the stress and then just, yeah, every day is a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we we joked and and debated about what we wanted to do, like running a pub or a hotel or a B&B or da-da-da-da-da. And none of them fitted what we really were looking for, which was like a real shift in lifestyle Mm -hmm. and give us more free time to do the things that we wanted to do. So eventually we settled on holiday apartments, and we wanted to move to Italy. We found this area through a friend. Le Marque is not well known, and it was even less well known 15 years ago when we moved here. Um, But it's a beautiful part of Italy, near Umbria and Tuscany, on the Adriatic coast opposite Croatia. And so we found an old farmhouse that had been abandoned for 30 years in a field of mud. 
Oh, and goodness. <laughs> and then created these apartments out of it over a couple of years and then got started in the holiday rental business, which we love. So we live on site and we host our guests. We see them every day and we look after them and make sure they have a wonderful, environmentally friendly, gorgeous holiday. So you've got how many apartments? Did you say how many apartments do you have? We have six. 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 Oh my goodness! And how many do they sleep? Are they two, four? They're all they're all one bedroom, and each has a sofa bed in the living room. And it's funny; we never really thought it would be family friendly that people would want to come. And in the early part and the late part of the season, it's mainly couples. But in July and August, it's rammed with families. But right. they put the, the sofa bed and yeah. all to work well. Yeah, they're very big apartments. Yeah. Oh, great. And you live on site. So it's yeah. one big yeah. happy. Well, <laughs> we, try, we try to be. Yeah. We have our own little space. So we're not, you know, cheap by jowl with them. Right. And we, you know, we host, a, you know, for us, the biggest fun, the biggest, biggest enjoyment of it is the hosting, is the, the time spent with guests. So we get, we spend a lot of time with our guests. We see them every day. You know, we talk to them about what they're looking for, point them in the right direction. We have a pizza party once a week because we have an old brick pizza oven in the garden. So we make the dough and bring out all the ingredients and the wine every Monday. And we host a pizza party. And they all get to pull out their pizzas, put them in the oven and have a few glasses of wine and get to know their fellow guests and us. So we love it. That's amazing. What a great idea. What a great idea. Well, I'm coming next Monday. Yeah, no. I've done 300 pizza parties now. So Have you really? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, it's, well. it's a good way to break the ice and get to know the guests. Yeah, how did you come up with that idea? Well, the oven was there and we wanted to find a way of bringing people together at the beginning of the holiday. And we thought, oh, well, why not do pizzas? And, you know, Jen, what's really interesting is it really breaks the ice. You really know the diff- notice the difference in the conversations and the connections before the pizza party when they've arrived, and then next day after the pizza party when they're all going off to the beach together or in the pool together or going to a restaurant and making connections. And it's funny, a lot of our guests have, have stayed in touch and coordinate their return visit for the same time yeah. as that they've met here. Oh, isn't that great? So, yeah, we're one, one big happy family. I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea. You know, it's that personal connection, isn't it? Absolutely. That we're all wanting to get. So, and why Italy? What was it that drew you? I've been to Italy many times. It was a toss-up between, to be honest, it was a toss-up between Italy and France. But Mm. I've had so many bad experiences with food in France. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Being a vegan, I'm not going there because French don't like the vegans. No. No. Sorry to any French people listening, but you've got to get the vegans before I'm coming to visit. Whereas Italy is so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I could see there would be some problems there. <laughs> I could really see the problems there. Yeah. And where does the where does the I was gonna say love of sustainability, but that's not quite right. Where does the interest come with sustainability? And maybe you can talk us a bit what you do there to make it a green venture. Yeah. Okay. It started that when we decided we were going to set up, set up the business and we had to rebuild the old farmhouse, it had been empty for 35 years. It was just shit and straw on the floor. The roof was all caved <laughs> in. The field of mud, snakes living there, trees growing out of it, da, da, da. You know, a big, big project to fix. 
So it made sense at that point to decide about some things that we wanted to implement from the beginning. And eco-friendly was, you know, top of the list, really. Not that we had a great deal of experience before that with sustainability, but it was something that we knew that was coming, that we knew that we needed to deal with. And that was the time to get started. And I, you know, I talk to people all the time when I'm I'm trying to get hosts and property managers to grasp the sustainability nettle is, you know, I tell them, you don't have to do everything at once. We didn't. We started off with just a few small initiatives, a few things that we could easily do that didn't cost too much money. And we learned, as I say this all the time, it's a virtuous circle. You take some action, you see the results because it, it, it impacts on your branding, it impacts on your marketing, it impacts on your guests returning, on the reviews you get, on the referrals you get, on the direct bookings you get. And you get that, oh, that lovely sweet spot. Oh, that worked. I'll do more of that. I like that. And then you implement a few more things. I always say sustainability is a bit like a, a positive legal drug. You do a little bit of it, you get a nice result, and then you want to do a little bit more. And it's like, you know, potato chips. You just can't stop doing it. And it can't mm-hmm. stop them because it's so addictive. And that's really all it is, is you take some steps. You see the result. You see the bottom line result. You see the effects on the guest, you see the effects on the planner, and then you go, mm, I'll do some more of that. And it's that's how it started, and it's carried on like that. I mean, now we have a very sustainable business. We have, I don't know, over 30 different initiatives in our business. They're all on our website. People could take a look at those. And but it, it's just come, it's just evolved over the years as we've as we've learned, as we've understood more about the climate emergency. We've looked at what other people have done and we've copied them. We've created some new initiatives ourselves. We've listened to what the guests have said. And then we've implemented all of that. And it's it's an evolving story. There's no end to it because there's always more that you can do. But, you know, we're really passionate about it. And, and now I try and spend time talking to the industry and trying to persuade the, the industry to adopt this and, and do it because it's good for the planet. It's good for the guests. And it's good for your business. So it's a win-win-win. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I guess it's it's learning what to do and sort of how to get started. Or finding out what you're already doing is I've already started you on that on that journey. I'm sure there's things that people are doing and then they realize that this is actually something that is is good for the planet. And they hadn't even taken that in consideration at the beginning. So it's good. I know you were helping conferences and events like the Direct Booking Success Summit that's coming up in September, helping us be more green and more sustainable. I was, maybe you can share with everyone, because I was quite shocked when you told me that there was actually a carbon footprint, even though our event is online. Because you think of a conference where you're flying to it, of course, there's impact there, the paper, the, you know, the goodie bags, all that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking online, I'm in the clear, but there's still a bit of work to do, isn't there, there? There absolutely is. I mean, let me go back a couple of, a couple of stages. Yes. So when we got ourselves established with the eco side in our business, you know, we brand the business really clearly about being eco. It's on our website. It's in our marketing, it's in our emails, it's in our Touch Day guide, which I would like to give a a shout out to because Touch Day have got an amazing eco aspect to their guide that I help them create. And so that 
people who use TouchDay can can get up and running really quickly with with promoting eco in in your guide. Other guides are available. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but we got talking to the guests, and each time we we talk to guests, we don't nag them or preach to them but we gently introduce sustainability and they see it in action in our property. They see it in the plastic-free policy, in the who gives a crap toilet paper, in the organic garden, in the car charger, in the solar panels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they, and they ask us about this. And then they go home and sometimes they can contact us again and say, hey, just want to let you know, we've just planted an organic garden or we've got rid of you single-use plastic. And that really gives me a buzz because yeah. we've made a tiny difference to their learning and their development and their implementation of being sustainable. So that was great. And, and we love that. And we, and we do that all the time. But then I got to the conclusion that it wasn't enough and that I wanted to actually be talking to our industry. And this is why I got talking, blogging, writing, interviews, et cetera, five years or so ago to try and promote sustainability because really in our industry, there are so few people talking about it and so few people doing it. And that needs to change because we need to be reducing our emissions and we need to be getting to net zero by 2050. And that we're nowhere near even approaching that. Emissions are still going up. They're not even level or going down. So that needs to change and we need our industry to be involved because 8% of global greenhouse gases come from tourism. So our industry has a role to play. So then I'm, I'm talking to all the, our industry and, and trying to persuade people. I have one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's not a business. I'm a volunteer. I do it because I'm passionate about it. And I'm having these one-on-one -on -one conversations. But ultimately, it was unsustainable to having these one-on-one -on -one conversations with hosts and property managers, though I still do it, because there are hundreds of thousands out there. And that's why I came up with the idea of Green VR events, because it seemed to me that the, our events and conferences in our industry, in short-term rentals, of which there are about 45, they are the gatekeepers to, to the wider community. If, if we can persuade the conferences to be greener and to, to ag agenda green speakers and to have sustainability front and center in their conferences, we can communicate with thousands or tens of thousands of people much more easily. And so it's for that reason I created Green VR Events, which is a, really an education program for event organizers. I give them a playbook of 25 actions they can take to be greener. We've had a number who've come on board already, yourselves, the Book Direct Show, Vacation Rental World Summit, Hostfully, and others, but there's still wow. plenty more to go. Yeah. But once we get those events green, and we get talking about sustainability at these events, it seems to me that that's a really great gateway to open up that conversation and reach a much wider community because they have much more reach than I do as an individual. And so it was for that reason I established Green VR events. And I've started talking at some of these events now and, and speaking about what the events can do, but also most importantly, what the delegates can do. And if I may, I'd like to give you one example. Definitely. The challenge that we have. I was speaking at the Scale Rentals Conference in Barcelona a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I started with a demonstration because I thought it would be most powerful. There were 150 property managers there, each with properties, more than 50 properties. I asked them all to stand up 
and I asked them to stay standing if they believed that sustainability should be a core part of their business. Everybody in the room stayed standing. Every single person, 150 of them stayed standing. Wow. Okay, great. Wow. Second question, though. Yeah. Now, stay standing if you've already implemented some sustainability practices into your business. 95% of them sit down. Wow. So the great learning there, and if they are typical of our industry, and there's no reason to assume that they're not, the learning for me and hopefully for them is that there's a huge gap between our aspirations of wanting to do something and our ability or our time to actually do it. And I'm constantly talking to people and they are so bewildered around sustainability. And I try and cut through the mist, cut through the fog and get them to where they need to be. Because they're confused, they do nothing. Inertia sets in and we've got to get them moving and get them taking some small steps. We don't want half a dozen people in our industry doing it perfectly. We want 95% of people doing it imperfectly because the impression and the impact will be so much more. So that's my challenge to the industry and that's what I'm trying to do. And we've got a long way to go, but I'm, I'm playing my part. Yeah, I know. I love I love your passion. Whenever I think of sustainability in our industry, your name is the first one that pops up for me. You know, I think you're the forefront of this green wave, if you will. Yeah. And Jen, Jennifer, yeah. I, just say, I wish it wasn't so. I wish the first person you came up with somebody else, because that would mean we were, we were getting somewhere that you should be able to come up with 10 or 20 people in our industry doing it. When we get to that stage, I'll be satisfied. Yes. Yes. I hear your point. I do hear your point. So let's go back to the, the summit and it's online. So how are we still affecting the environment, even though we are on online summit? And is there anything that maybe we could share with those wanting to attend anything we can do to, to sort of cut that down? Yeah. Well, for the, for the online summit, obviously the impact is so, so much lower than an in-person conference. So you know, that's a, a great green step. And, but obviously, because summits are using servers and servers use electricity, and that the electricity is powered normally from coal or gas, from some carbon, it's creating a carbon footprint. One of the things that the host of the conference can do and individuals can do in their private life or in their business is see if they can have their servers, whoever is hosting your servers that they are supported by green energy. And there's a website called the Green Web Foundation, and maybe we can put a link to it in the show notes. Um, oh, wow. Go to that, you punch in a URL, any URL, and you will get an instant answer of whether your website is hosted green or not. Okay. Uh, you'll get a smiley green face or you'll get a, a, a gray face. And if you get a green face, it means that your host, who's providing your service, running your service, they're using a green energy supplier. If then, or if it's your own business, it might just be your own business or your own home. The thing to do then is speak to your energy supplier and say, do you have a green tariff? I would like to move to a green tariff. It won't cost you any more money, but your money is then going to fund renewable energy. It's going into wind power, it's going into solar, and it's going into wave power. And so 
what you need to be doing is going onto a green energy tariff because your energy is by far the biggest part of your footprint. If you can deal with the energy, you're, you know, 60, 70% of the way there. So that's one of the real biggies that you mm -hmm. can do. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that if you put in the summit's website in there, it will come back sort of probably as inconclusive. But I can tell you that it's because I host my own on my own servers, but I'm a reseller of those services. So the actual server, and the, I guess the technology isn't smart enough to figure that out, but the Indeed. real server is green. So I have done that. I just can't prove it all to you <laughs> because I host, I'm a reseller of hosting or something like that. I understand. But yeah, so that's great. Okay. So we're, we're on our way. Absolutely. And that's uh, anybody can do that in their home, in their business, a conference. It doesn't matter. Anybody, whoever's using electricity, if you pay the bill, check it out and, and talk to your host and change it. That's great. That's really great. And there's another organization that you're involved with, which is Tourism Declares a Climate Emergency. Yep. I have a finger in a few pies. You yep. do. So can you tell us about them? I can indeed, yeah. So I'm a volunteer outreach coordinator for Tourism Declares a Climate Emergency. It was set up two and a half years ago. And the principle behind it was that our industry, tourism, had no unified voice, no coordinated approach, no serious activity around moving to the green agenda. As I was saying, tourism accounts for 8% of global greenhouse gases. But most businesses in tourism, and of course, when we're talking tourism, it's not short-term rentals, it's cruises, it's airlines, it's anything to do with tourism. Most of those organizations are not yet tackling the climate emergency. They're not looking at their emissions and trying to reduce them. And so the idea behind Tourism Declares was to get businesses, any business in tourism, to declare a climate emergency to put a statement on their website to that effect, you'll find a, a copy on my website, Casaldi Fiki, and then to put a climate action plan together over the year, which would, would be what you as an individual business can do to move from where you are to where you need to be. Now, of course, for some businesses, that can take a year, two years, five years, 10 years. There's no prescription there. It's doing it at the pace that's right for your business, for your environment, because there are so many different businesses in tourism. And I specialize in the short-term rentals because it's the area I know. So that those are the people I talk to and help them get on that path and get thinking towards reducing their emissions. Because, you know, we've all got to play our part in society. We can't just leave it to governments to do. That, it's not, that isn't going to work. Business and industry also needs to play its part. And tourism certainly got a role to play there. So, yep, Tourism Declares is thriving and, and a part of a wider network and trying to persuade tourism to take the right steps. And although it might seem like a long number of uh, steps that you have to take, as I always say to people, just take the first two or three steps and review. You don't get overwhelmed by thinking you've got to do everything straight away. You absolutely do not. Just take two or three steps. And importantly, really importantly, brand your website. Start talking about it to your customers. Start blogging about it. You know, use your touch day guide. Use your communication. Use your website. Because people need to know that, that you're there and that you're green. The booking.com survey that comes out every year, this year, 
was saying that 78% of consumers are looking to stay in green accommodation. 78%. But a lot of those of, of your audience and, and the people I speak to can't attract those people because they haven't yet moved to the green agenda and started to green their business. So there's a whole new market out there waiting to be tapped into. All you need to do is brand your website. And I don't mean greenwashing here, genuinely doing some things, but then talk about it, brand it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, as we're talking about direct bookings, it's an absolute great way of getting direct bookings. I can guarantee that. Yeah, because this is something, yes, we're doing it for the good of the planet, but it is an amazing marketing tool to get that the word out that you are green, that you are doing sustainability work in your own business, but using that for the marketing. And if, you know, with something, if you're saying about the property managers that all stood up, I can't, I don't know if you would ask anybody if they don't think sustainability is important and, you know, the climate, the ongoing climate emergency that we have found ourselves in. But yeah, it's that, okay, well, how do I start? Where do I go? You know, so I, well, I applaud you for what you're doing because I know you're not, you don't get paid for this. It is a voluntary position and, and I think it's great. And I, you know, I take your point that you wish there was a lot more of you out there doing the same thing. And I think in time there will be, you know, people like to jump onto a trend, if you will. And if you can call our climate emergency a trend, there will be people that will be jumping on board of it. Definitely. Any, any other organizations that you're working with right now? Um, I'm working a little bit with Glasgow Declares a Climate Emergency, the Glasgow Declaration. That's really an umbrella of Tourism Declares. And we're also working with a group of people in our industry. I was moderating a panel at the Short Say Summit in London back in May. And we've collected a group of individuals in our industry to try and brainstorm what we can do to move our industry forward, to kick it up the arse and get it where it needs to be. And all I can say on that one is, is watch this space as we develop some some ideas. Well, that's brilliant. We're knocking them around at the moment. Yeah, because, you know, there's one thing if you're an owner operator, even if you've just got a couple of properties or like you, you live on site. So you can be, you have full control over it. But when you're a property manager and say you've got 50 plus and you don't own those places, you've got owners involved and, you know, so many more pieces to that puzzle, it starts to get harder to move that needle, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, you know, a couple of things. I gave this example in a presentation recently. One of the agencies, Holodoo, who obviously are an OTA, they've started branding their properties that are eco-friendly with a badge or on their website. Mm-hmm. And their early data is saying that there's been a, a significant uptick in the click-through rate and through-to-book rate for those properties with the eco-badge, so those on their website with, which don't have the eco-badge. So that's a demonstration that people are interested in eco, and therefore it can be great for your business. And so I would be saying, to property, if I were a property manager mm-hmm. with properties that I manage, I would be talking to the owners of those properties saying, if you're looking for more business, start to implement some eco initiatives in your property. We will then brand you as eco, and then the, the inquiries will loop through us to you, yeah. and you will get more weeks sold. And and that seems to be the facts and how it works. So you know, let's. 
I always say I don't care how people come to this, whether yeah. they come to it because they want to save the planet or they come to it because they want to make money. It doesn't matter. The end result is the same. It's good for the planet. It's good for your business. And it's good for the consumer who finds what they're looking for. So everybody wins. So it, it doesn't matter. We we get there in the end. So yeah. if, you're only, if your only motivation is to make more money, no judgment, absolutely fine. Let's get you on that road and get you eco and get you making some more money. And that's going to be great for everybody. And this is the background to what you're going to be speaking on at the Direct Booking Success Summit in September. Sustainability is good for your direct booking business. That I is, yes. I certainly am. So I'll give you a little taster if you okay, like. Okay, yes. Please don't give too much away now. I won't. I'm going to give you just one stat. Brilliant. On my business. And, and my business is that we have a 90 plus percent direct booking for my business. And we use very little of the OTAs. And a lot of that is to do with sustainability. Obviously, there are other factors involved, but it's to do with sustainability. And I think that's a high rate in our industry. And I put that down to how we manage our business sustainably. And there's no reason to assume that the the people listening to this podcast and the people who'll be on the summit can't do the same. I'm not the cleverest person in the world. So if I can do it, they can do it. (laughs) That will be our clip for this episode. (laughs) That's brilliant. So what are you looking forward to most about the summit? I'm looking to talking, of course. and, And I'm also looking to engaging with with the, the audience, and I hope that will happen. Uh, but I'm also list- looking forward to learning because I always think at these summits, you know, there are so many things to learn, and I, I often have my head down thinking about sustainability. So it's going to be nice to hear some other techniques, tips, suggestions, ideas around direct booking and marketing. And I'm hoping that I'm going to learn quite a lot because. You know, you never stop learning in this industry. There's always so much more to pick up on. And you've got some really bright and intelligent people speaking, plus me. So it should be great. (laughs) Brilliant. But I am still waiting for someone when I ask them that question to say, I'm looking forward to not having to get dressed. You know, like I am thinking that that is definitely a number one concern on my end, but I don't know about anybody else. (laughs) Um, Brilliant. So, okay. So I'm ending every podcast episode asking this question. So here it comes. What does direct booking success mean to you? Okay. Direct booking success means to to me is controlling your brand. If you've got control of your brand and that's clear and precise and you communicate it well and you make an offering to the world, in my case, based on sustainability, the direct bookings will come and you but you need to be shouting it from the rooftops one example i would give probably most people have heard of green washing where people pretend they're doing things eco friendly when they're not really doing it but there's another expression green pushing green pushing and that's where you're doing stuff and not talking about it it's crazy yeah. If you're doing eco stuff, whatever you're doing, shout it from the rooftops, talk to people, blog about it, get it on your website, you know, sing it from the streets if you need to, because yeah. you need to be telling people. If people don't know what you're doing, they're not going to come to you. So direct bookings for me are about really singing about what we're doing and the, then the customer finds us and they come back and back 
come back oh, because you know we've got a 65% repeat rate people come every year because they like what they're finding yeah. well um, it sounds like we need sustainability and pizza parties okay that's what we need is that combination isn't it that's bringing everybody back yeah maybe that's a sweet spot yeah <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to come for a pizza party. That's definitely on my list. So can you tell us, Bob, where people can find you? Okay. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, and we can put a link in the show notes, I guess. Yep. Or we can go to my website, casaldifiki.com. Again, we'll put a web a link in the web in the notes because it's an Italian name. LinkedIn, I'm always there. I'm always talking to people. So that's always great. Great. Well, thank you, Bob. And I can't wait to hear your presentation, see your presentation in September. Thanks for coming on. Okay. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website directbookingsuccess.com. See you next week.